0: As we do this, we raise our vibration and heighten the collective consciousness. And that, my friend, is the joyful journey. Let's dive in. Hey, joyful journeyer, Anita Adams here, your host. And today I'm excited to introduce you to James Ripley, who is the founder of the Guided Meditation Institute. For the past 30 years, James has studied how we can create real, lasting change by leveraging the power of our meditative states, our presence, and what guides us. James is a writer, speaker, and trainer in Boulder, Colorado, who is certified in the art and science of guided meditation. In addition to teaching this skill, James loves working with growth-oriented entrepreneurs, coaches, therapists, podcasters, and speakers, especially if they are in major life transition and are curious about doing deep healing work with psychotropic medicine. His specialty is the two-hour guided meditation session that can be expanded to the two-day medicine journey retreat. And he'll put a cherry on top by creating a custom guided meditation for you that includes your most powerful symbols for lasting change. He calls it your guided meditation to live by. Mm -hmm. Welcome, James. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thanks, Anita. I appreciate it. Love being here. Awesome. The cherry on top.
0: Yes. (laughs) There's a lot there. You know, I don't think I have ever received a bio from someone on this show that has sparked so much curiosity with me. And it's feeding a lot of the questions that I'm going to ask you today. But before we dive into all of that, I want to hear about your personal journey that led you to the work you are doing today. Can you give us a, a little insight into into that?
1: Oh my gosh, how far back should I go? When I <laughs> whatever, was,
0: whatever feels right.
1: When I was five, I won't start with the therapy sessions. <laughs> Let's go all the way back. Um, I think that the interest probably peaked in terms of meditative state and what guides us. Just little context set up here. The work I do is about guided meditation, which to many is guided meditation. It's a scripted guided meditation. Sometimes we hear on Headspace or Calm or however it gets delivered. But the the guided and the meditation are two separate parts. And so really what, what's happened for me over time and where it started was the experiences I had in a meditative state that I didn't know was meditative. And then the experiences I had out of that, which in some way or form, I was feeling like I was being guided by something, right? Something bigger than myself or even something that's compelling. So I think to to back it off the interest in guided meditation, I think my first experience was uh, back in college with the hypnosis society. I got exposed to a little hypnosis. We did one of these Helium balloons on your hand, your hand goes up and wow, isn't that interesting, that felt very real. And from then on, I, I really tuned into how real our imagination can be, and how our imagination can be guided and what our imagination can guide us to. Can, can I, um, so
0: I want to uh, just clarify. So is it an exercise where you're imagining your hands on a healing, a uh, helium balloon? And oh, the, the,
1: right. There's a helium balloon. You imagine a helium balloon tied yeah. around your hand and then okay. imagine the helium balloon rises to the sky and your hand starts to lift up. Okay. Very, very yeah. basic exercise for hypnosis. one oh one introductory. I've, I've like, never done
0: that. And I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah. So that, that triggered some interest in understanding.
1: Really did because I, I was getting a degree in finance at the time and I felt like I had to balance it with something a little bit more esoteric and inward, right? Finance was, you know, I'm a spreadsheet junkie, but I'm also a guided meditation nerd. So I had to balance that stuff back then, not knowing what guided meditation was at the time. Hypnosis is really in in many ways a guided meditation in terms of what I can, how I would define it. It can be. So from there, I I think what happened was my, my father had passed away in college and really made an impact. And one impact in this way is that I became very curious on how I could stay in contact with him. And I didn't, I felt like he wasn't gone, even though he was gone, it just didn't feel like he was gone. And I became very curious. So I explored things like astral rejection and hypnosis and meditation and these things, but ultimately fast forward a few years um, in 1996, I arrived at the Telluride mushroom festival <laughs> with all the, with all the big names. in in that, uh, I mean, there were, there were big names. So the, the folks who were in charge of that, uh, Terrence McKenna is of the world and Alex Gray's and, and uh, they were there. And I was told to go there because for two years, I'd been bugging my friends, asking them what, what is God? What is spirit? How do we, how do you guys connect with that? And what is this place? Because my sense of reality really is we're all talking to each other. We have this connection. Somehow we communicate, but how is this really happening? Like what, how is this even possible? Right. Beyond the religious type of stuff. I wanted to have an, I think what I was really asking for was an experience and all of them in the room about it once Got irritated me at the party and said, James, if you really want to know, you have to have a direct experience of it. And And they said, you've got to do five grams of mushrooms. And I thought at the time, well, that's crazy because don't drugs make, make things bad. Drugs are bad. And I ended up at the Telluride Mushroom Festival getting uh, in contact with someone who could help me out. We did just a, a good friend of mine who's one of my closest and longest friends. We ended up doing a very small dose. And what happened was a party ensued, a very nice party for a 28, I think a 26 or 28 year old guy. And what was exceptional about it, extraordinary about it really in terms of its state, was I became less interested in the party with all the good looking girls mm-hmm. and more interested in the tree and the stars outside. <gasps> I mean, seriously. And I, I I did about three trips back and forth, going to the party saying that that's what I really think I want, but it doesn't feel better than the tree and the stars. Went back to the tree and the stars, laid mm-hmm. under the tree and the stars. And I did this about three or four times before somebody finally said, James, what are you doing? At that point, I just went back to the tree and the stars. And where that took me was to a place inside myself that in my experience felt very connected to spirit or God or something greater than myself uh that I belong not only was being guided by but I belonged to so the for me that that was a direct experience mm-hmm. My takeaway from that and is this: we can talk about things, we can read books on things. We can debate on things, but until we actually go there, mm-hmm. until we have a direct experience, we're just not going to have the learning.
0: Okay. I, I, and do you have to have psychedelics to get you there though?
1: No, no. In fact, on, psychedelics can impact the, the physiology and the biochemistry, but at the end of the day, I think that, and they can help. But I'm not a huge, I'm only an advocate for those people who are called to that. I'm a huge advocate of guided meditation journeys Mm -hmm. without the psychedelics. So you don't have to do that as well. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, um, what got me to the guided meditation space was that I was doing a lot of these medicine journeys, having these amazing experiences. And then I would come back and there wasn't an integration practice. It didn't make the experience last. Mm -hmm. And which can be dangerous page.
0: because that, that could cause you to want to do the psychedelics all the time.
1: Well, and that's interesting too. The, the, the ones I did in the ceremonial atmosphere that I was in, there was never an addictive quality. But when I came, uh, came back from the medicine journey or during the medicine journey, I, there was one thing that always stuck out. I always felt more kind to myself and more compassionate to myself mm. in an expanded state of awareness and then more compassionate to others
2: mm-hmm.
1: and many people have remarked that to me over the years of how when the, if they do a journey with me how there's just there's a calmness and a presence a greater degree of calmness and presence than not that's not always everybody's experience but it's been mine
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh and f- from that i just sort of deduced you know what if what if we do this it's just a state right? We're going into a different dimension of ourselves and a state related to that. What if we go into this without the the substance? Can we do this? So I pursued Vipassana meditations, did a couple of those very difficult in my mind, but it's 10 days of, medita- of meditating. I thought, well, who has time for that? Even though it's great for us and there's a great science, you know, 2000 plus years of science behind it. I thought, well, how can we get there a little quicker? And, uh, and then i found and i kept asking and seeking and i found anna wise and she was doing guided meditation and brainwave work um uh, biofeedback work
0: mm-hmm. can you can you tell us a little bit more about that
1: sure the the guided meditation and brain biofeedback work essentially what she would say was she's teaching the ancient art of meditation with the modern day science of biofeedback What I got to do, I got a great opportunity with her. She was toward the end of her life, unfortunately, and uh, disabled in many ways, but she was still exceptional at her private sessions. I got to sit in on her sessions that she'd been doing for 30 years and watch people's brainwaves as they were guided down for two to three hours. Seriously, they would fly in from Italy for a two to three hour session and then fly right back Hmm. and pay her money for this. And what she did was she guided people down into a meditative state, and then she would help them walk around. Now think about this. Meditation typically is let's, let's try to meditate. We think of meditation as uh, we do a meditation, we meditate. And what I like, the way I like to see it is we have meditative states. We experience them all day long. Let's drop into a meditative state. And then walk around and see how things look. And things she would look at and what I look at today are what you really want in your life. right? Not the grocery list, but what Mm -hmm. you really want.
0: What your heart desires.
1: What your heart desires. And the the deeper we go into a meditative state or the greater degree of presence, the easier it is to access that and get clarity on it Mm -hmm. and stay connected with it.
0: Okay, I, you're so speaking my language, and I love it. I feel like you and I are doing such similar work from two different um, two different angles. When you say get into that medit- meditative state and walk around, yeah. are you are you? Actually, talking about physically walking around, or is it taking a journey walking around in your imagination? Uh,
1: I, I see walking around your imagination definitely a metaphor. You're you're sitting still or in a chair or lying down, uh, the, but the walking around analogy I like because you're the person being guided. I'm facilitating, but the person being guided, you're walking around your mind, your heart, your soul. You're walk you're exploring. I'm asking questions, and. You, you're exploring what's there. Um, in terms of that, how I see it in a in a session, a two-hour session, if imagine if there's a spiral staircase, and every minute we come across something in your meditative state, and we look at it, and that's one step. And the next minute we do another step. And down, 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 you know, after two hours, you've got about 120 steps. It's 10 mm-hmm. stories, but you never notice you're going down, 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 10 stories. You just notice one step at a time.
2: Mm-hmm
1: so it's it's very gentle it's very kind but what's drawing you in is not just the state of presence but it's also the content of our minds and our hearts
2: mm.
1: and that's where it's where it becomes exceptionally powerful because it's not just a meditative state it, it becomes a meditative state that reveals something profoundly beautiful about you about what you want how you want your life to feel who you want to be the the obstacles that are in your way. And of course, you know, what's bigger, what guides you? Mm-hmm. And of course, the most, one of the most interesting things about dropping down deeper into ourselves, into these states or inner dimensions, is that the, the deeper we go, the more access we have to these deeper parts of ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the more clear it gets. And the deeper we go with what we really want the greater access we get with the deeper feelings of how we really want life to feel Mm -hmm. and the deeper part of who we really want to be. It's like hyperlinks superficial. We get superficial. We go deep, we get everything deep. Not. And when we go deep, we never lose access to the superficial. That's the irony. But if we stay superficial, sometimes we don't have access to the deep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, the tapping into the feelings I imagine that must be such an important part of the the journey because that's, that's where you, you can really end up manifesting what you're, you're wanting, right?
1: Yeah. I, there's, I, I like to, the five things I mentioned there, I really use those as facets, uh, what we want, how we want to feel, who we want to be. The obstacle is always opposite what we want. Right. And then, you know, ultimately the bigger thing, what guides us, but one of the key questions that seems to really do it. If people are struggling with any of that is most people uh, have an easier time with answering the question, how would you like your life to feel or how would you like your creative life to feel or today to feel that's easier than what would you like? You know, what do you want? What do you really want? Or what would you like your life to ha- You know, what would you like to have happen? So that feeling sometimes becomes a a really nice starting point. Mm. Uh, that we can expand on with those other things.
0: Can can we go over the the five things again? And would you start with the uh, sure. how do you want your life to feel?
1: Yeah, I I would start with uh, I always ask you know what do you what do you really want?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you want? What do you really what do you really really want? Right? Mm-hmm. When it's asked that way, suddenly it shifts things. It's not about the grocery list anymore. And and for even for guys that are providers, it's no longer about the money. They come in, guys. They come in, and, and I mentioned this to you before. A lot of times, the guys, it's it's so common that they come in. I ask them what they want. We're just starting to ask questions, and they say, "Well, I want to have more confidence." I said, "Well, why do you want to have more confidence?" They say, "I want to get more money." And why do you want to get more money? Well, so I can have a better marriage. Okay, why do you want a better marriage? Well, I just want to feel love with my wife and have that original love back. And then we go a little bit deeper and well, they, they want to feel loved by their whole family and God and the universe. And they haven't felt that for so long in their work mode. And so that it doesn't take a guided meditation necessarily to get there. But when we drop down into the guided meditation f- with that information, it, what happens is they can get an embodied experience of what that feels like right. instead of just thinking it. Right. And putting on a sticky note, I want universal love from the universe, or I want confidence, which is really superficial and means almost nothing. Once we drop down into a meditative state, they get an embodied experience of what being loved by the universe feels like, mm-hmm. which now impacts directly impacts um, their relationship with his relationship with his wife, uh, the money, the confidence, mm-hmm. because we're going to the root.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: once we get that experience, usually what comes out of that is a symbol or a metaphor that they can rely on for for the rest of their life. A lot of times, and
0: we're going to come back because we're. I, I think I want you to break that idea about the symbol down more, I, and I want to come back to that. So, but I want to know what those five things are that we that that as we get deeper and just you've already said them, but I just want to make yeah. sure we we've got this. Sure. So, understanding what it is that you really really want as the first yeah. question to ask
1: it's the first one i ask and and do you want would you like to know more about that question
0: um sure yeah we can, i mean and that's that's what i always ask my clients too and when i, I talk about it at my retreat what do you really want? I yeah, really, yeah. really want. And I had an interesting conversation with somebody recently. In fact, I'm going to be releasing a podcast on this very thing. Uh, that this um, client said to me that um, she thought it was wrong to ask yourself what you really want because your ego is going to get into the way, in the way, and it's not going to be for the highest and greatest good for all. And she really want wanted to um, be told what she should do. For the highest greatest good in all and my response to that was that um, when you really tune in to what you really want and you're listening to that inner wisdom your soul voice it's always going to guide you to your highest self which is in line with the highest greatest good of all.
1: Yeah, I like that. There's a few ways I address it because that comes up in the meditation community all the all the time. You, meditation is not what you want, and I would say, well, if we're going to meditate, what are we meditating for? To meditate more? I mean, that's <laughs> pointless. We're living a life. We're in a body, so we're we're human and spiritual, right? But what's at the end of every one of my meditations, I always say, you know, and consider what <laughs> what you're meditating. Now I'm forgetting it, but I always say, um, (laughs) reflect on a few minutes of what meditation can do for you and what it can be in service of, right? But which you, and that's the other part we explore. Is it the superficial you?
0: Is that that the ego you? Is it a deeper you? Um,
1: Ramana Maharshi, I think he had a great quote. He's an old sage. And he said, look, if you're going to be greedy for something, be greedy for waking up. So that's a want to wake up. Yeah. Right. So at what level do we want to approach it? So I think wanting is, and that's why I have like the you know, there's some levels there. What do you want on the superficial level, a medium level, and the deep level of who right. you really are? What do you want? And I found what we really want is I mean, love.
0: Of, that's the connection,
1: bridge, yeah. belonging, God, connection with spirit. And I have found that the psychot- psychotropic medicines have showed me that as clearly as anything. Mm it It's so profoundly meaningful for me mm-hmm. to be able to go into a state and be shown that you know nothing else matters but just being mm-hmm. which is in in another way to say that is just just be and appreciate the, what we have this moment right here and mm-hmm. then from there,
2: yeah. and
1: that is another it's just another way to say love to love and yeah. be loved just really appreciate the beingness without having to do anything to change anything. Mm -hmm. And it has been my experience as we drop down into these deeper meditative states, what happens is we get in touch with that sense of just being. And from there we make, I think I believe more informed, better informed decisions from a place of being Mm -hmm. and place of oneness and a place of belonging and unity and humanity than from a place of separateness and competition. All of it's real. It is the great paradox, but.
0: Awesome. So you're the meditative states. That's that you, when you say that you're talking about going deeper. So you, Mm -hmm. you start at that, like you say, superficial level. Is that a meditative?
1: Superficial and ordinary waking state. There are, There are what they call table of subjective landmarks. They're well-known for 50, 60 years, at least 80 years at this point. Table of subjective landmarks of of psychophysiological relaxation as our mind relaxes and it shows up in our brain waves. We can measure Mm -hmm. as our body relaxes. So imagine if you're reading a book, your body's relaxed. Let's say you're out in your work mode, driving around, running around, hyper- aroused, and you come home, you sit down and read a book, your mind's maybe still aroused, excited in the book, and maybe you switch to Tai Chi. So now you're going to crank up your body a little bit, keep the body in action, but you're going to relax the mind, right? Mm -hmm. We're relaxing one of those at a time. When we lay down to go to sleep, generally we're relaxing the body to stillness and the mind to stillness, ideally. As we relax towards sleep, we end up really going into a meditative state.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: If we're to keep our eyes open, um, right, <laughs> or, or awareness, or yeah. our awareness there, is
0: that is that like that the theta um, level in terms of what brain,
1: is- yeah, in terms oh. of brainwaves, uh, generally speaking, in a meditative state, there is going to be a decrease in beta, which has to do with the rational thinking mind. So it's going to just quiet that rational thinking mind, which is also where the inner critic arises okay so we want to there's enough of that so we quiet that we increase alpha which really gives us an ability to imagine better sensualize. so if i close my eyes i can see colors i can i i can visualize things and it also give alpha gives us a sense of detached awareness not just disassociated but detached
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um which is a it gives us a detached sense of awareness from those the inner critic, the doubts, the complaints, the shoulds and coulds, mm-hmm. shoulda, coulda, woulda. I mean, that's that's beta brainwave right there. It's beta land. Mm-hmm. So we want to diminish that, increase alpha, and then theta. Theta is generally associated as we increase alpha and then increase theta. It's generally associated with you know waking up and getting greater access to more of that subconscious or superconscious mm-hmm. information. So that thing that's bugging you in the background, but you can't put a finger on it, well, that that information's there it comes up and comes up into alpha now you can see it cuz it's dressed up and now you, what you can see sense taste smell mm-hmm. but the theta so alpha and theta generally increase with your meditative state and depending on the meditation gamma can increase if 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 you're having a super blissful
0: mm-hmm.
1: meditation it, there's probably a lot of gamma
0: there mm-hmm. Can you do you recommend listening to like theta sound waves to help you get into that? that
1: the binaural that beats, yeah.
0: Yeah, they,
1: does they does can help. Yeah. The entrainment brainwaves can help to a certain degree. Um, they ultimately they're they're entrainment tools that help us get to a state. They're they're what I call psychotropic light because mm. they. Th- their influence is to take us to a state or an inner or dimension within ourselves. They take us there. They sort of put their influence or force on us or, or pull us in. So as it pulls us in, it's kind of, have you ever sat in a passenger seat and someone drove you somewhere? And then next time you went to the same place, they asked you to drive. You didn't remember a thing about how you, how you get there. Oh yeah, And that's the same thing with psychotropics and brainwave entrainment. It's it's doing the work. It's like it's driving for us. It's taking us to a, a special place for us. So it's doing a lot of work so we can just pay attention and look around and absorb, take it in and learn some things that way. But ultimately, we have to learn how to you know, direct that journey. We have to learn how do we get there and get back. And so if I were to use optimize the use of brainwave entrainment type tools, I would be Not just paying attention to what's happening, but how I get somewhere and how I get back. And this is crucial if we're going to be working with any sort of state fluency. The most basic would be we're in a state of anxiety and we want to get to a state of calm. And this is what happens a lot. So people don't come in to to see me because they're in a great calm state. They come in because there's something bugging them, maybe creating anxiety. So the first thing we want to do is kind of just look at what the anxiety is like. But then we have to identify a state of calm and what that looks like. Okay, so how do they go from anxiety to calm? It's like a little hike. You got to figure out how they go on a hike from anxiety to calm. But more importantly, once they get to calm, we almost always forget about anxiety when we're calm. Mm
0: Because when we're
1: calm, we think we'll never forget this. I got this. Lo and behold, we're back in anxiety again. So we not only have to learn how we get from anxiety to calm, we have to learn how we go from calm to anxiety. And what that does, mm-hmm, go ahead.
0: Is that just because you, you want to understand what happened so you can stop it? You can stop making that journey?
1: I, I like the word stop or have choice points. Yeah. So if, if I'm in calm now and I start paying attention to those little tiny steps that I take that where I stop to forget calm and I start to remember anxiety, I now have a choice
0: Right, so it's an awareness. It's, it's all an awareness. awareness.
1: It's awareness building. Yeah. So going back to the brainwave entrainment, um, there's two things to do with the brainwave entrainment. Great tool. Pay attention to to what's happening in the state, so you can learn about yourself. That's one. But also pay attention to how you're getting there and how you're getting back, so you don't need the entrainment tool anymore.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I've been using. Right. I, I've, is,
1: I've been, You go ahead. Go ahead isn't isn't it the the purpose of biofeedback if we have brainwave biofeedback instrumentation the whole point of that is to learn about our brainwaves in a way where we can get rid of the instrument and the equipment right and do that go from a beta to alpha state without the equipment it's biofeedback
0: okay i get that and that's probably the same idea with um the the psychedelics you you experience getting there and then you don't you don't Use it anymore to get there because now you you know what that journey is, yes, in theory,
1: yes, in theory, and now some of these medicines are really so powerful it 's hard to just it's hard to simulate it or duplicate it, but there is an essence of it that can be, and one of the things I found really remarkable in working with people on both both medicine journey and just the guided meditation sessions where there's no medicine, there's no influence of any substance of any kind is that they report one thing they get in those guided meditation journeys they never seem to get in the, the psychedelics is a sense of clarity. And not a sense of clarity about the next job or the relationship or something, the sense of clarity about everything.
0: So and clarity I th- of self and self, how you're connected we to at, the universe. And, uh.
1: and I think what happens there they is they're, they're in an altered state from ordinary day to day, but there's still so much, very much themselves. And there's not the influence of an outside substance. All right. Okay. It's, it's not a, it. Now, some of those medicines can create such a deep, deep connection with necessarily take the person as deep from where they're at in a relative scale, but it does give them that sense of clarity that I found they can act on. And one of the things I was reading about in the joyful journey to tie it back around a little bit is you know what's the point of a joyful journey a vision of a joyful journey if you can't act on it Mm -hmm. and so this is the reason why with medicine journeys we have pre and post integration work and all of that pre and post integration work or most of it is done without any any substance it's done with your consciousness your your body our consciousness is the technology it's not the eeg machine or Mm -hmm. instrument you know, ultimately, our consciousness is that technology and the awareness is what we're training.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. In that that process that you talked about and sort of going deeper, I, I believe you mentioned identifying the obstacles. Or the, 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 can you talk a little bit about that or do I have that wrong? Yeah,
1: the obstacle. I think, you know, if we looked at a coin, there's heads and tails. Anytime mm-hmm. we want something, there's also something we don't want. For mm-hmm. example, if we want a sunny day, but it's raining... The rain is what we don't want. And because of that rain, we don't want, we want a sunny day. So it's a polar, it's a polar universe, right? Uh, so anytime someone comes in and says, you know, this is what I want. Um, there's usually something they don't want. And so the, that mm-hmm. becomes in my mind, just mm-hmm. sort of the obstacle right. in a way or the opposite. What I've, found, and it's not what I want to tell myself every day, but what I have found is that, you know, the the obstacle does guide the way if we let it. There's a great, you know, stoic book out, uh, The Obstacle is the Way. And I, you know, just a little twist on that, the obstacle can guide the way. And oftentimes, it's on the other side of the obstacle that gives us what we really want.
0: Yeah, okay, I want to, I want to explore that a little bit more. You've mentioned, A few times in this show, and when you and I spoke before about being clear on what guides you and, uh, you know, like when I think about what guides me and what I talk about all the time is allowing your, your inner wisdom to guide you. But when you're using the word, what guides you, you're talking about something different.
1: Yep, I am. I, I use a more generic sense and I just tend to be more generic. <laughs> um I, I think one of the things that happened um set up for this, I, I got drawn to the brain waves and the guided meditation because I loved uh the universal language of brain waves everyone has brainwaves, but not everyone's a Christian or a Muslim or has that sort of spiritual or religious orientation. And so I found it allowed me to get away from things that could be potentially triggering or offensive and use a language that everybody can can engage with. Meditation, which if we looked at brainwaves, it doesn't look a whole lot different than prayer, depending on how you're doing it. But brainwaves is a universal language. Could you remind me of the question?
0: <laughs> I, I want to understand what you mean by being clear on what guides you. Yes, yes.
2: And,
0: yeah. And yeah. You, you, you also reference that sometimes it's our obstacles that guide us. And I'm so curious about, about that. So,
1: so in, in a more generic sense, most of the time, you know, people think, you say, well, what's guiding you? And we gener- generally think of something, well, what's the biggest thing that's guiding us? Is it an angel, spirit, God, a book? a principle, right, guiding principles, the North Star, you know, those are all good. I tend to back it down a little bit and say, look, anything that is presently in your attention is guiding you to a certain degree. Also, there are things that are not in our attention, subconscious, superconscious, that are influencing us, past experiences, trauma, things we really want, but we're not willing to admit yet we want, those are guiding us too.
0: So there's probably layers like sort of the superficial layers of um, I've got this deadline tomorrow that's going to be guiding my choices and what I'm going to be doing because I've got this thing in my head, my mind that I have to do. And then there's a bigger life guides, like our principles that you are, like our values that guide us in making choices.
1: Those two. If I mapped it out, I I generally map it out again with those five things I mentioned, what we want, how we want to feel, who we want to be our obstacle. And then the bigger thing, what the bigger thing that could be on so us, those five things tend to encapsulate the facets of what's going to be guiding us in, in any given moment. Um, from there, we can fill it in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yes, it's very generic approach. What What's guiding you. But it, when we drop down into meditation and walk around, you know, what arises is almost, it's hard to see that that what arises is separate from the intention that was set before we dropped down into meditation so if we set an intention for com- more confidence and what shows up is i want to be loved by the universe or feel that love from the universe right the, we might look at that and say well they're not connected and i would say everything's connected and it's mm-hmm. not a coincidence that someone sets an intention for more confidence to get more money drops down in the meditative state and what they're really wanting in that moment or experiencing in that moment is a feeling of love from the universe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And so those two are somehow connected. So what's guiding them? Well, now they get a choice. So it's, I, I think that question really is about, it leads us to ask the question, what is guiding us? that we're aware of, unaware of? And do we want to be more intentional about what's guiding us? Mm-hmm. If we want our family to continue in a loving, healthy way, am I spending a few minutes every day focused on that vision of that family that's healthy in a future? Or am I just going about my day, working out, going through the motions, right? Mm-hmm. So what are we going to put our attention on? So it's probably two steps in what guides us You know, discovering what really is guiding us and pulling us, especially those unconscious forces, that, and also making a decision. So understanding what's guiding us, and then choosing, Mm -hmm. choosing and understanding.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, It always comes down, boils down to the awareness, isn't it? And that's what meditation helps us understand. Is it? It tunes us into an awareness of what's going on inside for us. Yeah.
1: And it could be a three minute meditation. Now here's something I'll share. It's probably, you know, this could be a little vulnerable for me to share, but it, it, it happens. I've had recently a end of a special relationship and I wrote down five things, five daydreams that were going on in the background that were self-sabotaging the relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, these were never something I expressed. Had I written them down or journaled at all, maybe I I figure out how not to have, but they're little daydreams that self-sabotage that success, right? Mm. And yet if I'm spending more time with those, or if I'm feeding those, or if those have some sort of strong influence on my behavior, especially unconsciously, it's going to be hard to overcome those. So the first step in this is if if we look at what guides us, if it's an obstacle, if it's anxiety, if it's a self-sabotaging thing, to just allow it to at least be there and then accept it hmm. you know to acknowledge it accept it and appreciate and that is part of the transformation of any meditation practice
0: hmm. it kind of comes learn. back to the, what you were saying is um that the love for self and the universe is ultimately that highest level of desire that we all ultimately have within us Say it again. I love it. it <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm looking at you. Like, do I, do I have that right? My, I'm, my sense is that we all, ultimately, we are all seeking the feel that sense of love and belonging, and that greater love of the universe that we are one. And that if we lean into that, then we can, we can get through the obstacles of our life. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel, I feel that it feels right, but I don't know. Maybe just, it feels too, too easy in a way,
1: too simple, I, too simple. I, yeah. Too simple. I like that. Mm. Um, it's not, well, it is simple. It's just ch- challenging. Yeah, It's so simple. That's why we don't do it as yeah. well as we could. Yeah, we I, expect life
0: to be more difficult. Things to be more difficult. Yeah. I
1: I like what you said about that. Maybe we go a little more conversational on this, but oh. I, I like what you said about because my experience is as we go deeper or higher, higher self or deeper into meditative state, deeper into being guided, mm-hmm. deeper listening. Uh, what tends to happen is it gives us a perspective that allows us to deal with the problem where the problem doesn't even become a problem anymore sometimes. Yeah. And it, we can't deal with it at the same level. So it allows us to get above or below that, that level where the problem is a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is to help people find other ways in to find that love, to find that acceptance, to tap into that compassion, so that they can they can lean into the best version of who they they are. And uh, yeah, so I wonder if we can talk a little bit about yeah. how we can how, yes. how we can do that.
1: I love that. So. You know, guided meditation, it can be, there can be some trickery involved there because I like to, you know, many meditation traditions would say, well, you don't want to start with what you want. And my experience has been people want what they want. They're not going to stop it. Why fake it? So let's just start with what they really want, which is ego driven. A lot of times acknowledge it appreciate it. Just start there. That's where they're at. Yeah, That's that's what we want. My God, let's put it at ease.
0: Can't
1: we we develop a great spiritual life and still want a great house or a great relationship or whatever? There should be no shame in wanting
0: to make a lot of money or wanting to have that big house.
1: I I think there's there's something about honoring the personality, Mm -hmm. the ego personality of what's there. And it wouldn't be any different than if we're parenting a child You know, if all all they really want is a Popsicle, get them the the Popsicle, (laughs) right? And look how they relax for the next 10, 20 minutes. And same with us. Can we we just give them a little bit of what they want? I I have to say, I don't know if most people know this that are listening, but the way you create an addiction for someone is you slowly pull things away. If you give a kid a Popsicle every five minutes and give it to them every six minutes and eight, and you start pulling away, you create addiction. (laughs) So- Now, if we're aware of that, we can overcome it. But if we're not, then, and when someone comes in for a session, the first thing I want to do is really address their superficial ego level needs. If that's what they're coming with and activated Mm with, let's at least look at those because I know that once we drop down into a deeper meditative state, that relationship is going to shift.
2: You're going
1: to realize that the money and the confidence, they still need the money and the confidence, but that deeper connection with spirit, that right. deeper connection with themselves, that calmness down there, that connection.
0: The, it, could be the, it could be the same um, want, but the desire for it comes from a different place.
2: It
1: becomes about the way. So yeah. what we're guided by is important, but the way we're guided by is even more important. Okay, good. All right. So we can be what guides us so many things. Yeah. Okay great we know there's all these things we want but the way we're being guided and and so in me- in a meditation when we're really at a deep level in a meditative state or in a deep state of presence or we really feel we're being guided mm-hmm. that generally feels like love kindness gentleness mm-hmm. firmness versus the beta brain waves going off and saying you should Right. You could have, should have, could have, would have still means didn't anyway. So what's the point? I mean, get away Lots from that.
2: Yeah.
1: All the judgment, all that. And, and so what guides us? Yes, but the way. And so first step, if we're being guided by ourselves, the way we're being guided by ourselves is very critical, very judgmental, very ego. This is normal, but it's ordinary waking state to get away from that we could look at the way we're being guided, but sometimes that just doesn't work. We just, we just go deeper to what guides us more deeply. And then we get at greater access to a different way. Mm -hmm. And if, if we're being guided from within more gently with more love, with more connection, a bigger sense of belonging, doesn't that come out in our behavior with other people? Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, it's all, all in terms of the facilitation, it's, I love helping people discover that, Mm -hmm. that you have all these, this list of wants, you have a way you want to feel what's at the deeper levels. What does that look like? We drop down in there. We look at the symbols, the metaphors, and we identify personal symbols, personal metaphors. They could be images or experiences. We identify those that are uniquely unique to them. And here's why we, I, I don't know if you need an example of this, but The reason we do that is we we want our meditation practice to be anchored in who we are, that we love, that's alive, that's relevant for who we are today. The things that make us feel alive.
0: Yeah. So is is that the importance of the symbolism, or the symbolism helps you get into that meditative process or state faster?
1: Both. So when we discover, um, where do we start? (laughs) there's something called landmarking Mm. Um, real quick. um, If you want to accelerate your meditation practice, imagine uh, going on a 20 minute hike and along that hike, it could be your favorite one. You notice rocks and trees and structures, you know, the hike, like the back of your hand, these are all landmarks in the external landscape. Imagine If instead of the next time you go on that same hike, instead of starting at the beginning, you could just remember yourself forward to that tree that's 20 minutes in and sit down under it and and start your hike from there. Right. Now, you can't do that on a hike, but in meditation, we can do that. If I guide you in the native for 20 minutes and you find a great symbol that represents that state Mm -hmm. that only arises out of that state 20 minutes deep. You can actually close your eyes, access that symbol. It brings you right to the state like a hyperlink. Awesome. And you just bypass 20 minutes of sitting, staring at the back of your eyelids, which I find annoying, (laughs) you know, just so, so what we, what happened, what can happen is we want the state. We want to go into a meditative state. We can't get there from here. We're in anxiety. want to go to calm. We develop symbols or we find a symbol that really anchors us to calm and we drop into that. So what we do, if we're trying to go from anxiety to calm or ordinary state to a deeper state of uh, meditation, we find that deeper state of meditation or that calm, and we discover a symbol that reveals itself for each individual that's different. That only ar- usually only arises from that state. And that becomes an anchor or a hyperlink to that state. Mm-hmm. So instead of going from an ordinary state or a state of anxiety where we're, we can't get out of it, wanting to go there, we can just think of that symbol, embody that symbol, and it takes us, it draws us right in.
2: Right.
1: And so that, that's how landmarking your state with a symbol can really accelerate your meditation process or your experience.
0: And you you do the the coaching or the guiding with your clients to create and identify those symbols, correct?
2: Yeah,
1: identify and develop them. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they're not hard to develop.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You,
1: these symbols that arise, they're not. A lot of these have been there for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, every time a person goes to a goes into a meditative state. Uh, whatever they do to get them there, these symbols are always there, but it's just, we have a tendency to diminish the value of them because nobody's talking about them.
0: No, oh, interesting.
1: Do you know, yeah. do you know why nobody's talking about them? No. Well, nobody, no, nobody outside of ourselves knows they're there.
0: Ah, okay. Well, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> so we, you know, everybody cues us up to the nice car and the couch and the new furniture and the new jewelry and all that but the stuff that's happening inside that's so intrinsically value valuable for us for state for meditation for all of this nobody's yeah. talking about cuz we don't talk about it right and so what i want people to do is what i help them to do, go down in there we go into a meditative state meditative state and let's look at what's happening there and that's why i say walk around yeah see what shows up that has energy for you that's really yours And, and then from there, we develop that relation, we develop it and there's a relationship to it and people, you know, I didn't know this when I started doing this, but these symbols become so valuable and it's part of what goes into a guided meditation to live by Mm. because when the symbol itself represents what you want your life to feel like, Mm. oh my God, now you've got a reference point, a symbol. It keeps you in touch with what you want your life to feel like, and if it's a joyful journey, and that's what it feels like, then that's a symbol. Now you can keep; you have something visual or experiential, right? Can
0: you can ask a question?
1: Yeah. Can I give you an example of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, th- this one is five. It's a, f- a symbol that's five years old for someone, and I. She she started. Uh, we, we were talking on, uh, out on a patio, just a patio one day, and she she's a this setup was this she's a, uh, a high stakes consultant and coach, two kids, and she was really struggling with the decisions she had to make in her business, what offerings to give, mm-hmm. and I think probably some of your listeners can relate to this um what offering should it do how would it affect where i live how much money i make my finances you know my daily life my time with my kids all that and so she was spending a lot of time on mentors and getting great advice but it was often expensive contradictory and it still put her back at the beginning of not knowing which way to go zig or zag and she said i just want to be able to make the decision for myself if there's a tie breaker or have some intuitive decision-making process that's intact for me. So I don't have to spend all this money. I just mm-hmm. know I'm making the right decision or I know it's not time yet. And I said, well, what do you want it to feel like? What do you want it to feel like? She said, well, I want, I want it to feel like freedom and flow. Mm-hmm. Of course, these are values for her, but I didn't know that. At that time. Freedom and flow. And so we dropped into that a little bit. Outdoors, summertime, patio, a little guided meditation there. And what she discovered was that freedom and flow felt an awful lot like her experience in Giverny, France, at Monet's mm-hmm. garden. Monet's got this beautiful garden, lily pads, people in service of him that allow him a lot of freedom and flow to just create art. Mm-hmm. And she says, I want it to be like that she want and and that became what she called walking in giverny
2: hmm.
1: now fast forward a little bit with that walking in giverny she now has this experience because she was there her experience of being there she can now drop into that in her mind like a landmark go right to walking in giverny and she's now embodying an experience of freedom and flow that's much more powerful for her than two words on the sticky note written down freedom and flow,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? We wake up to that and we just think, you know, five, six days in, what's freedom and flow all about? I got to get to work. Right. But walking in Giverny mm-hmm. where it's on a sticky note with freedom and flow. And mm-hmm. she has an inner experience of that because we walked around in that for an hour, mm-hmm. developed it, developed it in the way she perceives it. Now it becomes a barometer for her for making decisions and what what she did with it, which was phenomenal. Fast forward five years later, I interviewed her recently. She'll be part of the podcast coming up. I said, "So, what is it about that symbol that is so powerful for you?" And I'm just gonna gonna actually read this because she she said, "And this is for Aaron." She said, "It's so amazing how influential and reliable my walking and journey." symbol has been in my life for the past five years, and how much I've grown to trust being guided by it.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that so much.
1: Because every time I drop into walking in Giverny in my mind, it always, three things, it always feels good, it always is so true, and it really sticks. Five years later, really sticks. As a result, I don't make any big decisions without making sure the decision I'm about to make feels aligned with it and supports it in some way. Either it feels like walking in Jeopardy or it will lead to it.
0: That's brilliant. That's very powerful. There's a, a strong feeling that's associated with that, that image. And I get that, that uh, she can drop in and measure it up to, to that feeling of walking in Jeopardy. So it's a symbol can be literally a phrase. Like it doesn't have, she doesn't have to have like a, I don't know, a symbol of Monet's garden.
1: So, good question. So, the symbol could also, the symbol could be an image for somebody, right? But that's still flat. What we ultimately want to go from is a word of freedom and flow to a symbol, a picture of walking in Jivani, mm-hmm. to your experience of walking in Jivani because now we're experiencing freedom and flow. We're not just thinking it. And that thinking mind is what's in the way to begin with.
0: Yeah. How long did it take uh, for this friend of yours to create those connections? Was that just like in one session of uh, guided meditation with you or did it take many times to come and find that?
1: Immediate. You know, Once she got that locked in, well, she knew she wanted freedom and flow. I think most people know their values and what they want more of in their life um you know some people it's connection some people it's uh power who who know whatever it is some people it's harmony or ease but whatever that word is she went from the word freedom flow to the feeling of freedom and flow mm-hmm. maybe having an static image of the walking in giverny to then being in it and one of the things we can do in a guided visualization or guided meditation as we step into it, we walk around. So you're having an embodied experience, an experience that many times is more real than life itself. Mm-hmm. It feels more real, and we can there's subjective landmarks to, you know, a scale we can actually check off on that. When once we start having that embodied experience, where even for a moment or two, it's just as real as this life, it has an effect on bringing that closer. Mm-hmm. It magnifies that somehow it magnifies our ability for manifestation or for it's just how it works. I mean, the the science on visualization and the effectiveness for even pro athletes is, you know, I I don't need to prove it, go Google it.
2: Mm -hmm. So,
1: and one of the other things that happens is really fascinating. I did not know this till recently and it's, it's just a theory. Um, At least as far as I know, there's no science on it. I would love, if anybody in your audience wants to reach out on this, this would be great. But these symbols, these metaphors that arise, they're happening before the rational, analytical mind, the critic gets a hold of it. That's where kind of the inner parent is.
2: Mm.
1: Now, you know what happens when a parent tries to parent us. There's immediate resistance. And resistance, it makes it harder when we have a goal or something that draws us. So we're now getting in contact with these symbols and metaphors that are, that are about what we really want, how we want our life to feel, who we really want to be. We're getting in contact with them before the resistance brigade Mm. shows up, which allows us, allows everything to start to tune in and align to it much more quickly before the doubts get in. Mm. Mm. And the, the the purpose of these guided meditations really that are one to two hours long is really to develop it in such a way where it's so strong for a person before they leave that session that doubts aren't going to be able to overcome it or get rid of it anymore. We strengthen it so it lasts. Yeah.
0: You, uh, you mentioned that we might be able to do a demonstration of um, this guided meditation. Oh. Is that? uh
1: Yeah. We, we can, we can. So this, you know, I'll, I'll just set this up nice. I kind of, I love the, the idea of a jo- joyful journey. And there's so much about what you do. I don't know, but I, I did read enough about it and learn enough about it. What I did was I, I put together a, a guided meditation. It's, it's, my, it's just a standard guided meditation I use all the time, but I've got a little bit of a setup and it's just a little bit of a reflection piece about what a joyful journey might mean for somebody. And so for your listening audience, mm-hmm. who's into the joyful journey work, um, I thought that that setup and primer uh, might be a nice place to just get your mind to before we drop into meditation. So much about meditation or psychedelic journeys or any big event is really about the setup,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: There's the pre and the post, you know, um before a, a tree flowers, you know, the whole thing has to be healthy, right? It's just not going to flower. if It's got to be set up. There's cultivation. There's that. So this is sort of the setup for that. Um, it's one of those things I do for businesses too. Sometimes if we're just, they want to, and I was happy to do this for you, but sometimes it's nice to deliver your message in a warmer way, same message, just a warmer way. So I'm happy to do that. Cool. Okay. And yeah, you know, so it's about seven to 10 minutes long. So, you know, folks listening right now, if that's what it's going to be, you're not right. going to hear, you so need a whole you're, lot you're here.
0: Driving, put this on yeah. pause.
1: <laughs> right, right. And, you know, uh, for the listeners there, if you're, you're actually going to do this, if you're not driving at home, at the end, get out a sheet of paper and see if you can write down a symbol or two that comes up for you. A metaphor, something, anything that arises, it doesn't, you don't have to think it's relevant. Go by the, the feeling of it. Does it have a strong resonance for you, a strong feeling, the aliveness of it? Those things probably have a lot more power than we give them credit for, just because they're inside. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I, I might want to say this. Um, can I mention one more little trick, pro yeah, tip? please, please. It's a little story. It's like three minutes long. Uh, there's a gal, Liz. She's such a sweetie. She was like a bucko five, sock and wet, and from a rural area. Love you, Liz, if you're listening. And- mm-hmm. This was probably uh, 11 years back, maybe 12 now. I was I, I had the pleasure to teach Anna Wise's workshop. It's a five-day Awakened Mind Brainwave training workshop, all guided meditation for five days for 12 people at Esalen. Loved it. And But day three on a Wednesday, everyone's hooked up with brainwaves. And, and we're on break, and Liz is sitting off in the corner, still hooked on, on brainwaves while everyone else is on break. And I looked at her brainwaves and she had the best brainwave pattern of the whole week. And I'm a little insulted, feeling a little offended because, of course, <laughs> I'm leading her in guided meditation. And she's got the best brainwaves. Well, I'm not. So I said, Liz, you know, I was being a little irreverent I just said, Liz, you know, you have the best brainwaves of the week right now. And she looked over without even hesitating and said, you know, James, I'm playing Sudoku. Every time I do Sudoku, I just, it, it's my happy space. <laughs> And I I learned something. I learned something. What I learned was it's not about meditating. It's Mm -hmm. about the meditative state, whatever gets you there, do it. And this is what my class, I teach a class on this. It's about, it's kind of like a life hacking skill for how to get into a meditative state. I help people link. We focus, we look at what they do that they love to do every day. Shower, gardening, hiking, couch, potatoing, whatever it is. We look napping. I do napping. That's how I do it. So we look at I'm so at what happy they to hear it. you
0: say that because I I like to to nap too. And love sense. nap. It's how it's how I
1: discovered meditation. I d- I was taking power naps in high school and I'd wake up, but I didn't want to, I didn't want my parents to know I was awake or they put me to work before dinner. So I just stayed still in the living still in the living room. And if I stayed still and didn't move, they wouldn't see me. But what happened was by staying still, that nap took me down out of beta, down through alpha, theta, and into big delta. And then I woke up kind of like going into meditation from the underneath, from the backside. It's like the back door. And I woke up in a meditative state, didn't move. And I was just like laying in bliss for 10, 20 minutes before they said dinner. And it was just, so ever since then, I do that all the time. I take a power nap. I wake up I lie still for a few minutes. and, And it's so much easier to do that than to spend 20 minutes looking at the back of the eyelids, trying to stay still.
0: Just you have nap. this is huge for me. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. that because that's my my thing is to lie down and yeah and just have that little meditative nap that is uh, so energizing and refreshing yeah. afterwards. yeah, I've, I've always felt a little guilty as like I'm not
1: don't, don't don't, don't. You, it's better for everybody. <laughs> and then and of course it relaxes the mind and the body. Wake up the key is w- once you wake up, stay still and don't engage with your thoughts. Just watch them. It's blissful.
0: Okay. Yeah. Oh, Don't I'm engage. excited about nap yeah. time today. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go.
1: So so that was the nap. But Liz, Liz, back to Liz, who was over in the corner uh, playing Sudoku, getting the best waves of her week. And I said, Liz, what's going on over there? She said, well, I, I play Sudoku. And every time I do it, it's my happy place. I said, well, how's your meditation going this week? She said, I'm, I'm just not doing that great, which I could tell from her waves. I said, well, how about you do this? Instead of you going to meditation next time why don't you just once you, we come back for guided meditation just go to your sudoku place your happy place because that is a meditative state and from the rest of the week she just started off when she closed her eyes she went to her landmark which is sudoku space
0: happy So, space. but in her mind's eye like she went to play sudoku and she wasn't actually on her no, device playing. no she
1: thing. wasn't actually playing the device although she pr- could have probably done that but she had the brain while as well. she's Oh,
0: interesting. Okay. So I
1: just said, go to your, your, your Sudoku space, your happy space, start there. That's a landmark to start at.
2: Okay. So
1: the whole time she was trying to meditate and with the symbology, what, what we're finding or discovering about ourselves is anytime we put church over there or meditation over there, a place we go to and then come back from we've immediately created separation. Right. So we want to, we want to, meditation is union.
2: (laughs) Mm.
1: So we want to, we want to eliminate those conditions and the separation. Mm. The judgment,
0: the shoulds, I should do this, I should do that.
1: And that's all beta brainwave. So if we drop down into alpha theta, where we have this native language of our meditative state, this native language of how the universe speaks to us, how these symbols that are all that are there for us, the universe speaking to us in our own native language. I love it. There are symbols and some are universal. Some everybody experiences Mm -hmm. a sense of lightness, a sense of growing to great size. Those are kind of universal landmarks that a lot of people commonly experience if they go down into a deeper meditative state. But if we, if we go, if we have this experience of great lightness and surrounded by light, which is universal landmark. But we're also talking to our sister in the house we grew up in, and and having that conversation in our inner minds, that's unique. Mm -hmm. And that's a symbol. I love that. Why does that come up every time, you know? Why Mm -hmm. does it come up for someone when they say they want more confidence? Well, you know, and then they spend 30 minutes in their inner mind apologizing to their sister for something that they did Mm -hmm. that they felt bad for. Well, that Mm -hmm. erodes confidence.
2: Mm, mm, yeah. yeah. So
1: sure. w- I, that's the uh, you know the op- the unknown obstacle that guides the way as
2: mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm.
1: The apology yeah, to the sister, yeah, <laughs> even yeah. if it's in our inner mind, right? Yeah. So Liz did go ahead and have a better meditation week because she started to start with her personal symbols, not mine.
0: Right.
1: And for that entire class, of three days, I'm feeding heavily scripted guided meditations which are all contain my symbols or someone other writer's symbols and what i do in the private sessions i've been, learned to do over the years is create guided meditations that are more generic so the person can have a more personal experience
0: okay that's so interesting
1: yeah yeah so There's- in this what they'll what they'll get here is the next three minutes is just to set up a reflection which has a lot of personal uh symbology around it's a reflection around around the joyful journey
2: it's mm-hmm. a
1: reflection about what a joyful journey could be what it, what it's about for them and as your listeners listen to this uh, they can start to you know go ahead and close their eyes and bring their attention inward and and do that and you know if you're ready i'll just go through and and drop a minute it's about seven to eight minutes long mm-hmm. When so I'm like, done, should I
0: close my eyes and be just yeah, you by gonna, you? Okay, sure, sure.
1: Yeah, keep the videos on. We'll have fun yeah. with this, but I'll, I'll just drop into it. And and again, for those listeners, if you're there with sticky notes or a sheet of paper, have that ready at the end. Uh, draw what happens for you—a symbol, a metaphor—and and let Anita know what happened. Right
0: you now. And just one, one um, quick question: Can would you uh, be kind enough to record this separately afterwards, so people can also come back to it and not have to go through the whole podcast? To...
1: Absolutely, that'd yeah, be really yeah, great. Can, and Then we'll put it, yeah, we'll yeah, put yeah. it up on our on our tool Blocks that. or
0: something. P- yeah, planned okay. on that.
1: It'll be a little bit more refined. You know, if you like the right. bootleg version, this one's it. But okay, good. I love, I too. love,
0: uh, I love the bootleg versions. Okay, let let's do it.
1: All right, all right, listening audience, and thank you, Anita. Yeah. So here we are. So when I looked at your, uh, you know, you looked at your joyful journey process and all the good folks there in the pictures, uh, what, what came to me was, I started wondering what makes, what makes for a joyful journey. You know, is it, is it
3: clarifying our purpose? Is it connecting with our potential? Is it understanding our nature? With all the changes we
1: endure, the triggers that arise within us, and those difficult life transitions that move us,
3: sometimes before we're ready, what if, a joyful journey
1: isn't just about who we choose to be, but who we understand ourselves to be.
2: Understanding where the joy is, then choosing it. Choosing that joy,
3: then understanding it even more deeply. Understanding and choosing
2: the two walking hand in hand. The two walking hand in hand To lean into that inner
3: wisdom, to look, to listen, to learn, and take action.
1: What if the life you want to live isn't joyful or inspired until you start living it? Worth far more than any potential or
3: vision left unexpressed.
1: The next few minutes is an invitation to come along on a guided meditation. It's an opportunity to allow that joyful
3: journey that's inside to guide you, inspire you, activate you, and then express in outward action.
1: So if you please join me by going ahead and closing your eyes if you haven't already and bringing your
2: attention inward with a deeply inward focus and consider what it is that you would like to heal
3: or nurture or explore on your
2: joyful journey. Consider what it is you really want. And go ahead, set that intention now. And when you're ready, simply release it, let it go. Allowing everything to just be as it is. Aware of how this feels. Right here. Right now. Aware of how it feels to be you.
1: And begin to crystallize this experience in a word, a phrase, an image. Something to remember it by.
2: Something
3: that allows you to return to this space more easily the next time.
2: And begin to bring your attention to a close. Knowing that you can
1: return to the space easily, anytime, anywhere. And reflecting on what a few minutes of meditation can do for you.
2: And what it could be in service of. And when you're ready, coming back to the outside space
1: and For the listeners out there, you're welcome to get that sheet of paper and pencil out. Draw out the best you can, what you see, what you experienced, what happened for you. And see if there's anything related to what you really, really want or how you'd like your life to feel or who you want to be. Uh, Maybe there is an obstacle in your way and that could be guiding you, or maybe
3: there's just something greater than than yourself that is
2: supporting you and doing that for you.
0: Thank you. That was um, that was really beautiful. I could listen to your voice for hours. <laughs> it's <just> so good. <laughs> it helps. Your voice helps to really calm calm me. Like I just feel really grounded just listening. That was really lovely. I had some really strong visuals um Mm. come to mind so yeah can you
1: can you share for your audience what
0: yeah so there's a a place for me that um i just feel such expansion of love for self and and my environment and um it's on long beach in uh the west coast of vancouver island and there's just one the 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 physical space is so expansive it just goes on and on and and when i'm in this space i just feel so free freedom is one of my values as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and full of love and I've yeah. had had my husband actually proposed to me on this uh, beach many, many moons ago, mm-hmm. and we have brought our family back to this place every year. And it's just an incredible, uh, incredible place for me of, of connection, you know, connection and love and simplicity. I think that's a big part of what I, well, I know it's a big part of what I, I want in my life is simplicity. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so just dropping into this place on Long Beach, Vancouver Island, Chesterman Beach. For those who may be familiar uh, with the area, uh, you can see a, vi- a visual. It's so spectacular, and when you look out into the ocean, often it's foggy in this part of the the world. But I love that too, and stormy and cloudy and and. There's so much energy in this mm. space. So it embodies this environment, embodies so much for me, it embo- this, this vitality and life and energy and love and freedom. And I feel the wind in my hair and my face, and that just brings me alive. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome. That's, that's going to be my, what do you call it? A, a landing?
1: A landmark or a symbol. A landmark. Or a man- so a landmark is you've identified something on the in the interior landscape. Mm-hmm. close your eyes whatever that interior landscape holds there are landmarks it could be a landmark that's a symbol just a visual it could be a landmark that's more of a metaphor so if you're if you're in space and time you're walking on long beach and you're embodying that that's a metaphor so mm-hmm. it's a landmark metaphor but yeah. that metaphor embodies as you said it embodies so much it mm-hmm. embodies free and full of love and connection simplicity and life and energy So imagine if you wrote those words down on a sticky note, a bunch of sticky notes, and you looked at those every day, or you looked at those for five minutes, or you close your eyes and close your eyes and go inside and get on Long Beach and start walking around and embody that. Maybe you even sit down on the beach and meditate. Okay. All of this is mind stuff. That's not what meditation is for, but the mind stuff supports the meditative state which gives us access to those deeper places and that's something greater than ourselves
0: i feel this expansion in my heart when i just think about it like i just feel expansion is the best word
1: expansion 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 of your heart Mm. yeah and expansion of your heart is like walking on long beach yeah yeah
0: and what yeah. I was going in with the intention of what I want is yeah. love and connection. So, and they mm. instantly popped into long beach.
1: Ah, so you're making a connection between the intention when you started the meditation, which mm. was short and the symbol that arose. Yeah. And cool. that's what I've seen over and over and over. If you're actually intentional about it, it's, you know, you could say it's a holographic universe. It's just not going to be that far off, you know, Apple seed gets an apple tree and apples, <laughs> right? I and mean, it's just how it happens. So mm-hmm. you set your intention, what arises, whether it makes sense or not, at the time is usually exactly what it needs to be. Sometimes when an obstacle arises, we say, well, that's not supposed to be there, but it's the obstacle that's guiding our way to Long Beach, perhaps. But in your case, it sounds like you just went one-to-one, set intention, get the symbol. Yeah. Now you've known about this symbol before, right?
0: How do you mean? Like you,
1: you knew. You, do you ever daydream about walking on? Oh, long I see beach? what you
0: mean. Um, it, well, it's a place I love going to, and my husband and I were talking about uh, heading there in November. So maybe it's fresh on my mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. Have you ever used it as an access point for a meditative state? Oh,
0: I see. No, I haven't. No, I haven't.
1: <laughs> well, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> This is fantastic. Well, w- would you mind doing that and reporting for your, back in yeah. me or to your listeners? Like, seriously, next time today, tomorrow, have five minutes, drop in, just have, start with a daydream. Yeah. Here's, here's what I want to give everyone permission to do. This is really, this is what excites me. My word, <laughs> I, uh, <can> <laughs> I, had, I have a value. If I have a word. It's probably imagination. Secondary words and values would be connection to be, to be with. I have a huge value system about being with and through imagination. But here's what, this is a really interesting way to look at imagination. In the present moment world, we can say, well, if you're in your imagination, past or future, then you're not being present. It's not true if we drop into an imagination like walking on Long Beach and you're so present with it that it feels just as real or more than real life, you are in a heightened state of presence, more so than ordinary waking state.
2: Mm.
1: You're present with your imagination. Now the imagination might be past or future, but you're more present than you are most of the day. So that, the, the imagination is in service of Your metaphor is in service of what?
0: My my goals, my aspirations, my intention.
1: Yes, but it's also in service of what? Meditative state, presence, greater presence. By putting our attention on this thing we really, really want, it creates a Mm hyper-focus. And one of the three things that creates a great deal of presence in us is one is hyper-focused, second is body awareness. I'm Not going to tell you the third. You got to tune in for another <laughs> show. But hyper focus on a rock climber who has no rope and would die if he fell. He's hyper, he's hyper focused. focused. Dude, she's hyper focused. And guess what? They are present. Is pre, And I ask. I have a friend that does this. I say, "Why do you do it?" He says, "I've never more present than when I go free free climb." Okay. Wow. When we get, when we give ourselves permission to want what we really want we get hyper-focused. When we give ourselves permission to tune in what really feels good, what we want our life to be like, we get hyper-focused. When we get a sense of who we could be or who we want to be, wow, I mean, that's that's actually the bigger one. If we can lock into that, the rest just shows up. Wow. And if we can open up to a little bit to the obstacle that's in the way and and maybe just for a moment ask, well, maybe it's guiding the way not in the way, boy, it just opens us up to curiosity, which helps everything else. And if we can really get in touch with what's guiding us, do you really think we're not being guided? Okay. Just that, maybe we're not being guided by anything, but just the, the sense that we are, the sense of belonging that that brings up for us at that deepest level my God, those five things we to lock into those all engender a, a deeper meditative state, a greater state of presence. And what happens when we get that greater presence? We become kinder to ourselves, more compassionate to ourselves, compassionate to other people. It informs us about our next step in a way that the ordinary waking state can't. So there's a again we're we're using a lot of this stuff in the mind, the symbols. They become mind, it's content of the mind, but it helps us develop the state because it, the content of the mind we're looking at, we go to meditate, we set an intention, we go into a meditative state, we see what arises, which is a deeper level, the same, it's just reflecting our intention at a deeper level. Do you see that? Yeah. It's our intention updated, upgraded, up-leveled at the deeper level of ourselves, And then we work from there and we're in service of two things, our meditative state and what our meditative state can do for our life. Mm. I'm not a huge proponent of just doing a meditative state to get a better meditative state. That's, I, it doesn't Mm -hmm. do things for people, but I I want people to have a better life and a meditative state and greater presence. And, and those two work together. They're married. Wow. Understanding and choosing what, what and what could be, and that's the other part. Should I meditate on what is? Isn't meditating about allowing everything to be as it is? Yes, that's meditation. And don't you want a life you love? <laughs> so what are you gonna do with the right. action element? So allowing everything to be as it is, lack of control, let, everything be as it is. Yes, that's medita- meditative attitude, we got it. Now, this is what is, now what could be? Mm. What could be for your life? Let the meditative state and present state inform that through your symbols. Let the symbol speak to you. They are representing their advocates of the meditative state. And they can, how do you talk to a meditative state? What does that look like? How do you communicate with it? It's just ethereal. So the symbols actually embody the state, just like long walking on long beach is the metaphor symbol that for you embodies expansive heart love, freedom, and all that stuff. Now it's complicated. Now you don't even have to go one off a symbol for each one. You have one symbol metaphor that embodies all of it, which is really how we work anyways. We're more complex than that. Oh,
0: this is so powerful. I love it. There's so much here. And I feel like we've barely scratched the, the surface of, of uh, <laughs> what you can do with people and, and helping them uh, on their journeys. So, you know, I'm, I'm, Acknowledging the time, I think this is the longest I've ever been with anybody, and I love how much we covered and and uh, the whole the whole journey, the whole experience. I want you to share uh, in our closing a little bit about how people can connect with you if they want to uh, mm. experience your your training one on one, or mm. what what are the options even for them to work with you and sure, how to connect.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. So, so first of all, um, I think it's, you know, the guide, guided meditation is the website. That's how you connect. And I uh, they're welcome to connect by phone. 720-231-790. That That is a cell phone, but I'm, I'm a huge advocate of texting and, and calls. I love that. I'm just, it's like old fashioned or something. I don't know. But if, if uh, you're feeling a little bit shy uh, too shy to text, which I will reply to then just go ahead and visit the website. And there's probably three, three things you're looking for. You've got to ask the question, do you, do you want to have more of a private session, right? To our private session where you, I, I facilitate you one-on-one through this. We do that on zoom. And, and do you know what you want your life to feel like? And are you locked in and connected with that? Is that developed enough to really allow that to guide you moment to moment, day in, day out, yeah, uh, that's one. The other is, you know, I do a class about every two months. It's on creating your daily meditation practice. People typically come to that after they do a private session or after they do a medicine journey with me. Because that class is six weeks and it's designed to prepare you for the private, the medicine journey or allow it to last longer. Mm-hmm. And it's if you're going to come in for a two-hour session with me, then what are you going to do the rest of the time? you know, next week, the next month, we want you to have a practice. But here's the key. Once you do the, this class is designed so you're not going to meditation as, it, as if it's one more thing, it's designed so that you're going to your inner symbols.
2: Mm-hmm. So Anita,
1: your, your meditation practice would be five minutes. Somewhere on a hike, wherever, where you drop into walking on the beach, Long Beach, that's it. Mm-hmm. And allow that to develop and speak with you. That's it. It's that simple, but we've got to get to those symbols first. And for that, we got to drop down into meditation. Right. And then it becomes yours. It's not a meditation outside. It's who you are. You're just going to you. And for me, it just becomes kind of a love affair for those inner symbols that include everyone around me, yes. you know, my family, my friends, my mm. right. Yeah. So it's your, uh, your,
0: your launching pad, it's where you you start from that then allows to open up so much more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So private sessions, sorry, private sessions, Uh six week class, create, create your daily meditation practice. And then of course, medicine journey. If anybody is on a, yeah. going through a huge life transition uh, or is just wanting to do some healing, deeper healing with psychotropic medicine, uh, that's a two day retreat I offer as well. So,
0: Do you offer those um, regularly throughout the year?
1: Well, I offer those on schedule folks. Usually that's scheduled one-on-one. I do.
0: Oh, it is. I've I've led
1: groups. I've led groups. I prefer the one-on-one because in the one-on-one I'll do, let's say it's Saturday, Sunday, we'll do all day guided meditation training, get the symbols, get clear about how you let go, how you surrender, how you get open to this experience that's coming. And then we, we have the journey, the medicine journey that night. And then the next day you're staying the night in this beautiful log cabin. And then the next day, we go ahead and uh, drop back in and, and see what happened from a guided meditation place. So it's really about 36 hours of work.
0: Wow. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I might have to do that sometime, come down to uh, Boulder and experience uh, what you have to offer. That sounds really cool. It's
1: very, it's very, it's very intense, uh, not in a bad way, but very just that you It's not a walking around sort of retreat thing, but yes, invite you and anybody else, but it's wonderful. And it's, it's really that deeper level um, where, where my guided voice, you know, for that medicine journey drops off. There's no more talking and I'm there and you're, you go off to spirit. The whole thing is set for you to go off to that connection.
0: And and did you say you do do small groups as well? Like it doesn't have to be one on one. It could be a a small group of people. It could be
1: a small group as well. Yeah. yeah, Not an issue.
0: Okay, cool. Very interesting. Thank you so much, James. I got so much out of this conversation and I'm excited to uh, drop into my symbol, my uh, Long Beach experience and see what opens up for for me as I continue to practice my meditation and Mm -hmm. go on that journey.
1: Love it. Love it. Thank you for having me, Anita. So such a pleasure. Always a great conversation with you. And (laughs) I hope you spend a lot of time walking on Long Beach.
0: Me too. (laughs) 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 All right. And thank you, Joyful Journeyer, for tuning in. I uh, reach out to James. I will keep his contact information in the show notes, of course. And we look forward to connecting with you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me on the Joyful Journey podcast. If anything resonated for you from today's show, or if you are looking for more clarity in your life, clarity of purpose, or how to activate that purpose, then head over to joyfuljourney.ca and become a member of our community. We'll start by sending you a free download of our three guiding principles to inner wisdom, which will give you a great foundation for finding the clarity you are seeking. And you'll become part of a growing community of people who are raising the collective consciousness. So head over to joyfuljourney.ca and I look forward to connecting with you directly.